0: What would you tell a young listener who wants to change the world, but doesn't know the next steps?
1: Everybody wants to like add value, right? Like how do I add value to this business or I'm going to add so much value to this and that. And even when people hit you up and cold call you, you know, it's all about adding value. Right. And I think, I think so few people take the time to figure out what they value before you add value back to somebody else. And I think that's something that I've been trying to spend a lot of time thinking about, about like, what do I actually value and then, does that reflect in, in what I'm trying to do as far as adding value back into people's life? Because it seems like everybody wants to rush ahead of like changing the world, but it's like, what matters to you first? Like, change your world and then go out and change the world, right? Because if you're just going out trying to change other people's worlds, like, you're not doing anybody any service. Trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot.
0: We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting edge voices in every industry. This is is the Ironclad Podcast. All right, today's guest, Brian Pape, the mastermind behind the brand Mir. Mir is an incredible company. We've been big fans for a while. We've got, we've got Mir swag at Ironclad, so uh, this one was a really good one for us. He talks a lot about leadership and about making an impact. He talks about transparency. Mir is doing awesome things globally. You want to check this episode out. Here's our conversation with Brian Pape. Well, let's kick this thing off, man. Like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. And, and and the cool thing is, is to Jesse's point, we've been fans of the brand forever. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. And I was introduced to the brand, I think probably about four years ago when we were looking, we send out these things called Iron Sharpens Iron Packages to all of our clients and we do it for Christmas. And we were we look for things that are items that people are going to love. We want it to, even if you get a pin, we want it to be a Sharpie with felt tip. We want it to be your favorite pin. And, and if we are going to send a mug, we want it to be your favorite mug. So the first totally. time we actually sent the growler and those were huge, man. Oh, I love those it. Huge I hit. love it. Yeah. So uh, I think we have a lot in common. Um, f- we're both fans of leadership and we're both uh, entrepreneurs. But another thing, I named my son after my granddad, uh, Johnny. And I know you're a big you were big influenced from your grandfather, weren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah.
0: How did how did he influence you for leadership and business?
1: You know, it, um, you know, some of it has kind of been just um, y- you know really hearing stories from my grandmother um, and my dad and my aunt and uncle. So um, unfortunately, my grandfather passed away in in ninety seven. Um, so I was, you know, I was a, I was, a uh, was I a teenager? I think I was a teenager at that time. And so I wasn't, you know, it's, it's, I wish I was in business when he was still around, but, um, you know, you go, you go anywhere within the family company and you hear these, you know, stories about uh, what he, how he um, kind of operated his business and, um, y- you know, kind of, I think some of the the, the stories that influenced me were um, if you go to some of the um, locations where. They sell and uh, repair uh, commercial equipment. The The mechanics who have been there for, for decades would talk about how he would come in the back door uh, when he'd come and visit a location and, and he would shake their hands and he'd talk to the mechanics, you know. And so I think a lot of times people think that, you know, when you're the CEO or the boss, you, you roll in and you know, you go through the front door and you talk to, you know, the head of sales, the VPs or, you know, those folks, but he always rolled in through the back door and, and he was, he, he did that because he was like, these are the lifeblood of my company, you know? So always making sure that you're paying attention to the people on the front lines. Um, so I've always remembered that. And, you know, whether it's headed into our cafe and, you know, going to the back door and checking in with our brand ambassadors or our customer service team, it's, that story story's always stuck with me.
0: That's great, man. And uh, I know that you've had a pretty interesting start, right? You were inspired through a pretty scary situation, weren't you, to start the business?
1: Yeah. So, so Mir was really um, kind of an inspiration from, I've always thought about this idea of merging business and philanthropy. Um, You know, this idea that kind of the old model is, you know, you build a company and you amass wealth and then you give, you give the wealth away later on in life. And I thought, well, what if you just do it every day, right? What if you, what if you're generous every single day? And so, um, you know, part of that, uh, came to life in, in 2006 when I was in a pretty bad ski accident, uh, kind of a life or death ski accident where I ended up breaking my femur. And when you break your femur, you can essentially bleed to death internally in about 10 minutes if you hit your femoral artery. And so for me, I had this kind of like reflective moment in my life where um, there were two things that kind of distilled for me in that in that you know short time was um, the first was my my wife. We had been dating for about three years, and I thought uh, this is. This this woman's incredible. I should probably should probably figure this out and, and uh, go ahead and ask her to marry me. And so that was kind of the first thing I thought about. And the second thing I thought about was, what would people say about me at my funeral? And it it, it realized that I had been living this life of of, of selfish self absorption. Just it was all about me and how much money I could make. And so that was kind of a catalyst for me to realize, you know, even if you don't make it to the end of your life, and if you were successful and you waited to the end of your life, you wouldn't be able to be generous, um, at that point. So that was kind of a, a spark for me. And then 2009 I had the opportunity to, to start Mir.
0: Wow. Before that, were you into business or were you just kind of,
1: yeah, I, I had started, um, multiple businesses and, um, you know, on a smaller scale. Um, uh, but I was, the, I was always kind of an entrepreneur. I was always kind of tinkering with things and, and this idea that, um, you know, I think I had one, one like real job, in my life. Um yeah. and I worked I think it was gosh, I'm trying to think of which year it was. There were two jobs. I worked for uh, my family's company, uh, for a summer stocking parts and, and basically cleaning forklifts. Um, and it was good to kind of, you know, see that side of the business uh, for my family's business. But the the other one I had, I think it was the year before that, I was actually uh, just a, a retail associate at Banana Republic. My my brother in law worked there and he was like, Oh, I can get you a job at Banana Republic And I was like, All right, I guess I'll work there, folding clothes and it just killed me because I get my schedule at the beginning of the week and I would do the math on like my hourly rate times the hours. And I was like, I'm only going to make, you know, 50 bucks this week. You know, like that just killed me that I, there was no opportunity for me to make more. Right. Like it just was what it was. And so I found myself just like folding clothes, just extremely bored. The only way was to sell more credit cards. That was the only way to like actually, you know, increase, they had like, you know, competitions and perks. Um, And so for me, I've always kind of, like the idea of having something where it could scale more than just, you know, what you get paid per hour. Um, I think one of my favorite stories was in uh, junior or no, was, I think it was elementary school. So this is like, you know, pre-internet right. days. And, um, I, we had moved from Portland to Boise, Idaho and in Portland, I learned how to make, um, origami paper cranes and in Boise, Idaho, nobody had ever seen these th- things before. And so, I had a bunch of uh, paper and I made these origami cranes and I would like basically sell them at lunch. So I basically convinced kids instead of buying lunch to, to buy these, you know, paper cranes. <laughs> and so I'd hustle kids lunch money for these cranes nice. and, you know, I'd switch out the color and be like, Oh, well, I only have blue today. You know, you better get the blue one today. And so I've always kind of been, um, entrepreneurial, you know, I picked up a video camera in high school and started making short films and whatnot. So that kind of ultimately led to um, starting kind of a small media production company, which you know, when I had the ski accident, I was filming for a local mountain, uh, making a making a movie for them, and so um, those those are all kind of things that I've been involved in. And then um, the the company I was with right before I started Mirror, um my buddy Rick Wood started this company called Little Hotties Hand Warmers, and basically, it's air activated hand warmers that you you see at Costco and REI and outdoor sporting goods stores. So um, at the time, my business mentor in college. Uh, his best friend started this company and he couldn't afford to hire anybody. So I interned for him and ended up being the first employee there. And then we had this great run for about three years and learned everything from small business, uh, you know, from sourcing to manufacturing, to shipping, to invoicing, to payroll, to, I mean, really everything in small business. And then we ended up selling the company in 2009. Um, And then after that, I, I worked for the company we sold to for about a year and then kind of said, all right, I'm going to go start this company called Mir that I've been dreaming about. So it's always kind of been there.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome how things lead to uh, another thing, especially with entrepreneurs. It's always something that leads to something. So why hydration?
1: You know, for me, it was uh, at the time, it sounds funny now, because there's so many different bottles on the market. But at the time in 2009, it was, you know, I'd been using Nalgene's growing up, um, you know, camping and backpacking, it was a great product. Um, so it's kind of like Nalgene. At the time, Sig, which was like the Swiss aluminum bottle, you um, and clean canteen were kind of the only brands in the marketplace Um, you know there was some stanley here and there but nothing really stood out to me from a design perspective um and certainly nobody was really was really giving back or or had a had a model of generosity and so right um it started with designing a really functional which sounds so funny now (laughs) but like you know the nalgene product uh, you basically, like, the lid would, like, hit you in the face, you know, if you weren't holding it back. The wide mouth was so big, you'd spill water on your face. And then, you know, the Swiss bottle was actually a fuel canister for camping stoves that just happened mm. to, like, become a water bottle. So um, these products weren't really meant for, for drinking out of properly. And so we... Right you know, we ended up designing, this is one of our first bottles, uh, you know, with a narrow mouth and it fits in a cup holder, yet you can stick ice in it, one twist opening. So um, the drinkware was something that, you know, we thought we saw an opportunity to, to design something different. And then uh, from there, you know, we wanted, we wanted to build this model of generosity from day one. So we started we started giving to clean water from day one.
0: That's great, man. Hey, uh, what kind of hurdles did you hit out of the gate? I know we've had so many. And at this point for us, as an entrepreneur or a leader, you almost don't even look at them as hurdles. You just kind of accept them as part of the path, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but w- when I ask you that something has stuck out to you specifically, have you had some major milestones that have been like, man, I don't know if we're going to make it through it.
1: Oh, totally. There's, I mean, there's more, there's more than I could uh, recall because it's, I mean, it's the obstacles, the way, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, and there, right. there's no, there's no guarantees. Um, but at the same time, I think that's that's partially why entrepreneurs are attracted to the path of of starting something that, you know, there is no guarantee. But there's also this opportunity, this this ability that you know it could work out. And and if it and if it doesn't, um, I've always been really comfortable with the idea that if it doesn't work out, what is the worst worst case scenario? You know, is the worst case scenario I have to move back in with my parents or my in laws you know, or, you know, kind of eat humble pie for a couple of years and, and work somewhere else and, you know, eat rice and beans, so to speak. And, I've always been like, I don't want that to happen, but I've always been really comfortable knowing that like my identity is is more than just like what I start or fail at. And so if that's the worst case and I'm cool with that, great. I'm going to go out and like push as hard as I can knowing that like I don't want to fail. And if I do fail, it's, you know, I'll be all right. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to, you know, hopefully die from this thing. Uh, even yeah. though, even though lately it's been very scary. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, you know, some of the hurdles early on, uh, you know, you run into just like, it seems like every other year, every year there's always something like, you know, this year with COVID-19 and a couple of years ago, um, gosh, there was like a port strike in Seattle. I mean, this might've been like five years now, but there was like a port strike. So all of our inventory was stuck at the port in Seattle. And so it was just like a, 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 a crushing moment where like all of yeah. our product was at the port. And so if you're not shipping, you're not, you're not billing your customers, which means you're not receiving payment. And so, you know, there's all these things where you just, there's constant setbacks and you just, you keep pushing through it. And, uh, you know, you'd have, you know, like, of course, when you don't want something held up customs, you know, randomly inspects your containers, you know, or, (laughs) or whatever else it is, or, um, there's always, there's always tons of setbacks for sure. But it's a matter of, you know, kind of pushing through, kicking those doors down or jumping over the hurdles or whatever you want to call it, but you got to just have that mindset that you're going to get through it.
0: Yeah, I think that some of those things uh, forge you as a leader as well. I think um, it tests and and it makes you when you reevaluate and really do your uh, self-inspection, you say, man, was I everything I could have been as a leader there or where did I fail? How have you kind of landed and where have you landed with your leadership philosophy?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a it's it's an evolving journey, you know, especially especially even now, you know, with with um, these COVID times, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, rethinking about how what does business look like in the future and, and really reflected on um, the past year and what went well and what didn't go so well. And how do we adjust, you know, especially from like a leadership perspective? I think over the last year we were growing so fast. And there was so much to do that I really kind of took my eye off of, um, like, developing our people and coaching our people and, like, really paying attention to culture and kind of just letting it happen. Um, And it wasn't – it's not anywhere in a negative space, but just realizing how important it is to, like, feel connected when you're distant and now remote working, uh, for me, really understanding, like, what my role is as as founder and CEO – and I think that's like I said, it's always a it's always a journey, and it's adjusting. Um, and I think especially for a growing company and a growing business, y- your role changes so much, right? So from day one, when you're doing everything, so like I can do the books, I've done product design, I've done sourcing, I've done shipping, I've done invoicing, I've done you know pick and pack, all of it, right? And, but then like, as you grow throughout your business, you, you have to adjust and adapt and, and, you know, take on new skills and, um, you know, learn, I, you know, I, 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 made the decision to hire an executive coach, gosh, three or four years ago now. Um, you know, I didn't even know what an executive coach was when I started the company. Right. You know, I just, I just yeah. figured executives knew what to do. Right. And then you become an executive and you're like, I have no idea what I'm
0: doing. Yep. yep. <laughs> I know it.
1: <laughs> so I think, I think, you know, eating humble pie and knowing that, you know, knowing that you're special enough to get things done, but also knowing that, you you know, you're, you're nothing in the context of like the human race or, or the universe. Um, and, and knowing that in that light, you know, it's important to, to make sure that you're evolving.
0: Yeah. And, and man, it's so cool to hear about the coaching. Oh, I'm a big advocate. And before I just thought it was like, I didn't think it was a doers kind of thing. I thought that some people just do, and some people just you are always reading or always want to be coached. And I didn't put much stock in it. And then I look at the best athletes in the world, the best performers in the world, they have mm-hmm. coaches. Totally. And, uh, and I became a believer. I mean, it's transformed my life.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I think it's, it's a little bit too, like, I think, um, you know, probably less of a connotation, but like almost the same with like a, um, like a psychologist or like a therapist, you know, in relationships yeah. where, I don't need to see a relationship, you know, I don't see, we don't need to see a therapist. we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And it's not a matter of whether you're fine or not, because we're all of our flaws. It's a matter of like the mindset of like, do you have a learning mindset? Do you want to grow? And it's really hard to grow in a bubble or like by yourself or just like through reading without application or somebody who's like keeping you accountable or challenging you or, or even providing you context and new ideas and being able to give you a non, um, somewhat non-biased, um, you know, perspective, because especially when you're running a company, you could ask for feedback from all your employees. Well, they have a very different perspective and, and they all have their own interests of, of how they want to interact with you. Whereas your coach, they, they only care about you succeeding as an individual. You know, they don't, I mean, they want your business to succeed for sure, but at the end of the day, they, they really care about you as an individual growing and performing. So I think that's, what's really important about having a coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, uh, another thing that is unique. Well, it's not unique, but it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have and, and, and very few have mastered it. And, and no one, if they say they mastered it, they probably are lying. But juggling family life and leadership to your team and business and everything in between, how has that balance been for you? Because I know you're a family man. So what, is, what has that been like for you? And uh, what have you had to focus on? And, and where do you see the most opportunity as a dad?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. It's a tough one because, uh, my wife and I work together. She, um, she helped start the company. Um, and so we're, you know, we're, we're co-founders and it's, we take on very different roles. Like I was, I was running the company, um, you know, kind of solo for the first couple of years. And then she joined about year four or five. So she was essentially making all the money uh, as a financial advisor in our early years. And then we needed an accountant. So she, jo- she jumped on board, I think in tw- uh, 2014, I want to say, uh, it's about six years ago. And so, um, you know, it's, I, th- you know, I think it's different for every person, right? I think, you know, there's, there's definitely a work life balance, um, you know, kind of concept out there for people, we kind of have this, like, it's more like this work-life integration, um, and it's hard because we work together. Are um, we tra- We used to travel a lot, um, and so you know, sometimes we bring our kids with us. Uh, we have two kids, and so it's it's kind of this this integration of um, you know bringing our family with us. And so you know, every year it looks a little different. You know, as kids kind of are getting into school and, and all all that, it's um, you know figuring out when the right time is to cut off work and when to spend time with the family. Um, but i don't see we don't we don't see it as like this black and white like you know i go to work at like 7 and i come home at like 6 and then we don't talk about it like it's a it's a very fluid um kind of day day in day out schedule uh which i think is like can be challenging sometimes but on the other chance it's on the other side it's like kind of nice cuz you can like roll home at lunch and hang out with your kids and then you know if we're down visiting a customer for a week you know we bring our kids with us and it's um it's kind of this unique experience to be able to like have our kids be there. And it's cool to see our kids kind of interact. And, um, you know, some people are kind of like blown away by our daughter's, um, vocabulary. Like she's really comfortable around adults. And I think that's part of partly because she's always not always with us, but she's with us a lot of the times. And so when we have our leadership team offsites you know, she's interacting with adults and she's listening to conversations and she'll come and just sit down and like, listen to a meeting, you know? And so I think that's a really cool, unique experience for her to, to see and to hopefully give her the confidence in her life that, you know, she can do whatever she puts her mind to. So I don't know. It's in a weird way. It's like a, it's a balance, but it's also, we kind of just look at it from, um, from like a, you know, how is how are we doing in our individual buckets, you know? And if like family is is suffering a bit, then all right, we got we to gotta scale back the work a little bit. But um, I think the cool part about working together is that we do have this ability to kind of have maybe deeper understanding where we know that if it's like a week or two leading up to a board meeting, I'm going to be working a lot, right? And so my wife will step in or like, hey, times are kind of slow. Like, let's just take off and have some family time. So
0: no, that's good, man. It's so funny because it's very similar. My wife has been my right hand partner with the business for forever. And, uh, when at, at, at night she'll be like, wait, is, is this, is, are you talking to work, Katie? Or are you talking to wife, Katie? What what are we doing here? You know. <laughs> and, uh, our kids go with us everywhere and, uh, it's very similar situation. So I, I completely understand. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think that, um, people, uh, need to really be focused on on that balance and and understanding that uh, the sacrifices across the board you see any successful person in one discipline in order for them to be successful across the board everyone has to be on the same page with where those sacrifices lie and sometimes it's not those standard hours or sometimes it's not those different things but the kids uh your spouse everyone has to kind of understand that and then embrace it. And I think that that's what makes it special.
1: Totally. Totally. And you know, I think the constant or the, the key thing there is, is, I mean, it's an obvious one. It's like captain obvious here, but like communicating, right? Because if you're with, if you're working with your spouse and it's not for everybody, but I certainly wouldn't do it any other way just because it's so fun to be able to spend so much time with our family. Um, but it's, you know, when there are times where I am traveling a ton and I'm not around the family as much, it's like, you can see it in like my daughter. Right. And so, it's one of those things where like, if I'm not seeing it, my wife will notice. They'd be like, Hey, you know, we'd appreciate it if you'd like actually like turn down the the travel schedule a little bit or, or yep. whatever. And, and we're figuring it out as we go. But yeah, having that flexibility, um, you know, to be able to work at night or call it, call it an early day in the afternoon and hang out with your kids and then go back to, you know, after you put your kids down at 8 PM, start working again. And so we work a ton, mm-hmm. but at the same time we really enjoy, you know, we don't, we don't watch a ton of movies or a ton of TV because after we put the kids down and eat dinner, we're excited about what we're working on. So we go back to work.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome. I think that's what I, when, when, when we talk about it, that's what we want our kids to see too. We want them to see the discipline. We wanted to see the sacrifice we're willing to do, but also the passion and the fun that we put into it. And, uh, it, it really empowers you for a, a life of impact. So it's, it's cool to talk about. And, and, and then you instill that in your kids and, and you were talking about, um, now trying to find that leadership, uh, that you can install in your, in your, in your team. Right. And, and I think that, uh, we say sales covers all sins, you know, so you get in this momentum (laughs) and you're just going and going and going. And then, and then, and then this happens and everyone's like, wait, and you're fortifying, uh, you know, contracts and you're making sure everybody's good. And you're trying to talk to your team. And then it, it basically, uh, is an expedited evolution. Right. And, and that's what it's been doing. How have you been focusing on building those leaders now in a time like this specifically?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I think I've, you know, if I'm honest, I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. I think, um, you know, I think the first is like kind of, i have always kind of taken the approach of like, you got to have your house in order before, you know, anything else. And so we're kind of in this like reevaluation of like, what do we want the company to look like? And how do we want to see this, you know, as we, as we make it through this, this time. And then from there, um, you know, really because it's remote, it's, you know, it's such an interesting time that it's like that constant communication of just checking in every single day, every single week with, with your leaders. And, um, you know, I think vulnerability is a huge piece right now because everybody's, you know, the emotions are high and, and we're all kind of experiencing these wavelengths at different times, right? So I think the one, one way that we've been able to connect uh, with our leadership team is just, you know, when when we're checking in daily of just, hey, how's everybody doing? Um, where are you at on scale one to 10? Good, bad, horrible, you know, because it's you, you kind of have that you can like it's kind of this like if we're trying to get to 10 and I'm at a four, you know, and somebody else is a four. OK, how are we going to like make up that gap? Right. And so. Um, it's nice when you have other people where like, you know, a couple of days ago, man, I was just so low energy, um, kind of in the dumps. We had to, you know, lay off some people and, um, you know, but then our head of sales was like really excited about some deals coming down the pipeline. So it, you kind of feed off of each other. Um, but I also think just giving people permission to, to, to be like, man, I, it just sucks. Like, I'm just not in a good spot today. I haven't worked out. I'm just tired of not seeing people or whatever it is. Right. I think that yeah. open and honest communication is super important.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. So what's next for you guys, or, or it's evolving, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, we're 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 kind of we're kind of in a spot where I'm like, man, this remote work. There's pros and cons to it, and there's some pros that we'll take, right? And there's some cons that we'll will will adapt, or the the vulnerabilities will 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 fill those holes. But there's a lot of this that will be positive benefits for years to come. So, what have you guys noticed any of those?
1: Yeah, you know, checking with our team, I think a lot of people obviously there's that like. You, I just don't think you can ever replace the energy of being in the same room as somebody, you know, yeah. and like ideating or like talking about something or problem solving or meeting with a customer. I mean, you can never, like like video or technology will never get good enough, and, or at least I hope not <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I still think that like that that physical presence is so, so important. Um, I think with our team, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, wow, I don't have to commute. This is kind of nice, you know, or, or yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you're seeing a lot of expenses like people aren't eating out at lunch because they, they're not in the office or, you know, they're they're at home making lunch or they're not driving, so they're not spending money on gas. So I think there's this financial piece where people are like, oh, it's not too bad working from home. Um, you know, and you look at that line item of an office and you're like, oh, it'd be kind of nice to get rid of that uh, office expense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting as we emerge out of this what that looks like and obviously with like social distancing and then in offices and all these procedures. I mean, the office to one extent also kind of becomes a challenge until there's a cure for this because, you know, the amount of cleaning that's going to have to happen. And, you know, if one employee gets infected, but doesn't know it, and then who do they interact with? I mean, there's just such a, like a web that's just kind of daunting right now. If I don't even know how to navigate through that. And I think a lot of us don't even know how to navigate through it. Right. We never yeah. had to navigate this, you know? And so I think work from home is we're just gonna have to get better at it. And, um, you know, we've, we were in the process before COVID of, um, onboarding a sauna. And so I'm so glad we, we did because it came in at such a good time where our teams are able to manage projects really, really well. Um, so we're, we're getting through it. What, what about you? What about you all? What's, uh, what's changed for you?
0: It's that communication, that daily communication. We do team check-ins in the morning. We we kind of, this is something I learned from my coach too. It's like, his is mental performance coach. He's like, "What's the most important thing you're going to do today?" So, boom, we identify that with everybody on our on grid. Bing, 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 bing. Plus, so we only have 15 people. Yeah. So it's not as, I don't I, I we, it's pretty easy to burn through everybody. And then um, we go into at the end of the day, and we kind of recap and do the same thing throughout the day. Though leadership meets, and we have structured but it kind of feels like death by meeting sometimes with those things too. So there's a lot of pros with it where we, we have that accountability that we didn't have before that I think is really good. But I also think that, um, there's overwhelm with that and things tend to slip through the cracks sometimes with meetings or with, with client back and forth. Right. So we're finding that balance and then, um, agreed though the office space, you know, we had a contract on a building right before this and, uh, Good thing that we were still in due diligence and we pulled it, uh, for this thing. And, but it also leaves some opportunities. I see some other brands that have farms and things like that, that they go to, to create content. And I was just thinking, man, I I've been thinking small now I'm trying to think bigger yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's broken down a lot of barriers that I wouldn't have done otherwise because I was concerned of, would it be acceptable?
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The work from home thing too. I was, I was always, I always said, and I feel like I half believed it. I was always like, well, I don't care where you work as long as you get the job done. Right. Yeah. You know, but other people, on the team were like, well, are they working or, or maybe they're like not putting in 40 hours? And I'm like, it's not about putting 40 hours and it's about them getting the job done that's been described. So, like, it's ultimately our fault if we don't provide them a big enough scope or they don't clearly understand what their role is, you know. And so now I feel like COVID just blown the whole thing up where it's like <laughs> people are working from home and they're still working. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah exactly things and i've always been real hard in in the thought like you is like nothing will replace everyone should be here at all times and i do think it's very important for culture especially for us we travel so much together um but i also think now i could see the light in some of that so i i in the remote side so i don't know man i don't know what that mix will look like moving forward but it's exciting it's exciting times and i'm glad that our team is is really uh growth minded and um to your point investing in coaching has been huge for us and we have we have a coach that meets with our team every monday morning we go over our mission and our values and That's just cool. reiterate that i feel, i noticed there was a gap right like i couldn't do that as we grew i couldn't keep pushing that through and i saw that in some of our end of the year reviews and some of the stuff i was i was wondering like why is this not aligning i could, i cannot imagine why this wouldn't align and yeah. then i just figured you know it's time to get some help with that and uh it's been it's been great for us so continuing to double up on those types of things have been big So that's good that's important all right folks time for a break but what's next rapid fire from brian pape when you're on the road as much as us and you are in every scenario under the sun from freezing cold conditions to uber hot conditions in death valley you want batteries that will perform for you for us it's core it's the only option and they have a new battery out called the HyperCore Neo. I'm gonna have to read the bullet points on this thing because it's so crazy, but I promise you we've used it in the field and it's transformed the game. It's less battery swap outs, more durable, more options than ever before. So it's TSA pre-check, it's RFID, it's rubberized, it's got a USB so you can charge your phone, you can plug in accessories, you can do anything from there. It's got hibernation mode on it, it's a high current delivery, which is a new feature, and ultimately it communicates with the camera. This battery is insane has always taken care of us. We're ironclad and we're core driven. now if it will shift into another section. So, so that was a little bit of the story section. This is kind of like the pass it on section. this is basically where we ask a couple hot seat questions. And, uh, it, it, for us, it's really a big deal. We always enjoy this because I'm such a fan of high performers and anybody who's, who's, uh, achieving great things. So I'm always interested to hear people's point of views on these different things. So I'll just burn through a couple with you. So, uh,
1: what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, there's, there's been a lot. I, th- you know I. I think, um, we had this, we had this great advisor, Dennis Madsen. He was the former CEO of REI. Um, and he, he has a really cool story. He was like a stock boy at REI way, way back in the day. And then he ultimately rose and became CEO and helped them open up like a hundred stores, um, at our, at REI. And so he, I think for high performers, you know, we're in this mindset of like, go, 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 achieve like fast, 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 you know, in the sprint mentality and that's good. And it can be good for, for certain things. Right. Um, but I'll never forget, he was like, Brian, this is a marathon, not a sprint, you know? And I think so often we get caught up in, like, we got to go now, we got to move fast, and we're going to lose this opportunity. And that's that That urgency is important. But also, like, and I think especially in this, this COVID time, it's a reminder of, like, whoa, there are some things that are like, I should have been paying attention to, but I was caught up in like the revenue, right. Or the sales or just, there was so much growth that like, you know, growth forgives a lot of sins. <laughs> um, yeah. and so kind of remembering that, you know, it's life is a marathon, not a sprint. And so in that context, you know, set that proper pace. And, um, and I think what's cool is like, when you think about the marathon analogy, you can run like a eight, hour marathon, or you could run like a six or five or four, mar- you know, a four hour marathon. Or, you know, it's like, it's that mindset of what is that pace? Right. And how do you set that pace? Um, as opposed to just like sprinting and getting tired out. So I, I think that one's always r- ringing true, especially now.
0: Okay. So the next one, um if you could go back 20 years and ask yourself so- or and tell yourself something, what would it be?
1: Gosh, especially in this day and age, man, enjoy the, enjoy the, enjoy the normalcy or, you know, <laughs> enjoy the, uh, the commodification of life. I was, yeah. I was talking to our team about just, you know, that we talk a lot cause people are asking like, how do you survive in the drinkware markets? That's commoditized, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, everything's commoditized, you know? So yeah. it's a matter of like, how do you rise and show up when it's a commodity? And I think, man, I, I think a lot of people, myself included would say that I definitely took for granted the small things in life, you know, like, airplanes a hug you know like not thinking about a doorknob when you touch it right like all yeah. that is just man 20 years ago i'd be like enjoy it <laughs> yeah
0: it's crazy uh, it is crazy um okay so uh, this is one we get a lot and we get this question from from young folks a lot is is um uh, what would you tell a young listener who wants to change the world but doesn't know the next steps
1: yeah, I think um, that's a good one. Yeah, we get I get asked that I feel like a lot, and I think um, you know we I had a good unlock a couple of years ago where it was um, you know everybody wants to like add value, right? Like, how do I add value to this business, or I'm going to add so much value to this and that, and even when people hit you up and cold call you, you know, it's all about adding value, right? And I think I think so few people take the time to figure out what they value before you add value back to somebody else, and I think that's something that I've been trying to spend a lot of time thinking about about like what do I actually value. And then does that reflect in, in what I'm trying to do as far as adding value back into people's life? Cause it seems like everybody wants to rush ahead of like changing the world, but it's like, what matters to you first, like change your world and then go out and change the world. Right. Cause if you're just going out trying to change other people's worlds, like you're not doing anybody any service.
0: That's great. It's a very good one. Uh, okay, cool. So, um, what is one thing that every person should do every day?
1: Oh man, breathe, clean, wash your hands. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I, th- I think it, I think it's different for other people, but I think um, call it whatever you want, like prayer, meditation, silent, just I think that stillness, five minutes, 10 minutes of just being present and self-aware. And I mean, those are all like super buzzy, trendy words, but just, man, if it's in your car, it's at your house, wherever it is, just like take five for yourself and just think about the day before, the day ahead. I feel like in the hustle and bustle of life, it's so easy with your phone. I mean, I think back in the day, like, Man, taking like taking a dump or going to the bathroom was like enjoyable. You had like a couple minutes yeah. to yourself, and now it's like you got your phone and you're like scrolling through Instagram, you know. And it's like I deleted it. Yeah, I deleted you did. It. Oh, nice. I,
0: I I just I would get sucked into a vortex, and I just totally wasn't worth it.
1: Yeah, so I think you know I think put the phone down, you know, every day and just um, you know enjoy enjoy life a little bit.
0: That's great. Um. So you're a big reader. Uh, I hear you're a big leadership book reader. Can you name the the top three?
1: Oh yeah, I'd say. I mean, lately, lately I've been reading some good zingers. I think. I mean, one of the top ones, especially for for business, is um you know The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, we we operate our our leadership team and kind of the structure of our company um, from that book, and it's it was it was a game changer because I was really struggling with. How do we bring the right people together? What do we talk about? What's the cadence? You know, what are those what do you talk about in meetings? Are should you have meetings? What kind of meetings should you have? It just lays out such a simple framework of providing clarity to your team. So I think that one's that one's really good. Um, you know, principles by Ray Dalio, um, came out a couple years ago. That one kind of blew up and was good. I just, I mean, it's really heady. Like you read it and you're like, Whoa, this is, this is a really deep framework. Um, but the way he's been able to distill it down to just kind of this, this upward loop, you know, of kind of looping and, you know, you're going to fail and you're going to come back and learn and then go, go forward, you know, two steps forward and one step back. And, um, I think that one's really good. Um, this isn't really like a Well, there's a couple, so like Ryan holiday, I think is an excellent writer. Um, and, um, you know, he wrote the obstacles, the way, and he goes, the enemy, ego goes, the enemy I read every year, um, just as a good reminder of, you know, yeah. mindset, um,
0: Okay. So what's more important, uh, having a mentor or being a mentor?
1: Oh man. Having. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You can't, you can't be one unless you have one. right? Totally.
1: Yeah. It's, well, it's funny. Cause I just had a, um, I felt this, I felt like I finally was like, Oh wow, I'm getting older. Um, cause the, our university, the university I went to called me up and they're like, Hey, we, we want you to be a, a mentee to some kids or, you know, some college, college kids. And I was like, Oh, what? you want me to do what? <laughs> i was like I, I don't have anything to provide to these kids They're like no no no, try it out and it felt so weird like trying to mentor somebody i was like man i'm i, I just want more help
0: <laughs> well it gives you an appreciation for people with true patience and and the ability to really invest in someone it, at least for me when i'm just like man it's a gift
1: totally totally uh okay so this
0: one's my favorite one that i ask everybody and and um And it's become a favorite for everyone here. It's uh, if you could issue a one week challenge to our listeners that would have to start today, that would dramatically change their lives. What would it be?
1: I'd probably, Ooh, that's a tough one. There's like two, two things I would think about that would dramatically change your life. But I'm going to, I'm going to go with like the more odd one. I think like, I think if people just did like 10 push push-ups and sit-ups a day for the rest of their life, it would like, it would change their life. And uh, the reason I say that is because, well, especially now more than ever, like fitness, you know, people are learning that like, oh, COVID's kind of, you know, if you're, if you're not in shape, it, it's not good, right? Like you got to have a good lung capacity, but I've always been fascinated by like these people who live to like 104 or whatever, and they're like still doing pull-ups, right? And it's like, they didn't just magically get on a fitness program when they were 80, you know, they were active their entire life. And they just did that, that daily, I think it's a representation of that, just that those small, small, small things every single day add up throughout your entire life. So what, I mean take it for an actual physical push-up or just a physical you know like a mental push-up of you know being thankful for 10 things in the morning you know that 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 daily just little nug. i think is super important
0: and it, and it becomes easier and easier and then you get, get addicted to the results too you know exactly you habit forming yeah yeah guys stay tuned final segment coming up sound off with brian Pape. Are you ready to go into the fray? The Ironclad team specializes in developing films, online series, and content for the world's greatest brands, organizations, and outlets. Now we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and most dangerous places on earth. Go behind the scenes with the world's most cutting-edge filmmakers in Ironclad's new video series, Into the Fray. Each installment takes you on some of the world's most exotic locations to meet adventurers, inventors, warriors, and real-life heroes who've dedicated themselves to forging new paths. We utilize some insane equipment and some insane storytelling tactics to make these things happen and ultimately bring you stories that haven't been told before. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at this is Ironclad to make sure that you never miss an episode. And remember new installments drop every Friday afternoon adventure beckons. Will you come? I know you're passionate about generosity. Um, but that married with, uh, the idea of transparency inside of that. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you and how you can bring those two values together?
1: Yeah. So for us, um, you know, I think when I started, when I started mirror early on, my wife and I were talking about how like people just weren't transparent about it. It was always kind of, you know, when people were giving in businesses, it was, it was like a net profit or kind of like a, like people didn't want to, um, either divulge what they were doing or they were using it as like a marketing scheme, you know, of like, Oh, we'll use this to get more customers, you know, as opposed to like doing it to make the world better. And so for us, we were like, well, the, the antidote to like, inauthentic giving is just to be transparent because if you're transparent you're not hiding behind anything and so for us from day one it was always about hey here's how much we're giving um here's where we're giving it to and and all of our products as you probably know have like a code on it so people can follow along the, the journey of generosity at mirror of where we've granted how much why where um and so i think i mean giving is you know i think giving without transparency you know um, is, is okay. But I think, man, there's something, there's, there's something magical about just being open and, and honest about with what you're doing and how you're doing it. And and hopefully inspiring others to, to kind of live a life of generosity as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan and, and not, you know, I, I don't think transparency also means like, I don't think that means, Shouting it from the rooftops. I think it just—it's a matter of you know, because there's there's plenty of people who are generous without talking about it, which I also think is great. But um, I think it's great when brands, especially brands, um, can be can be transparent about it.
0: How do you choose the uh, the folks that you give to?
1: Yeah, so we kind of have um, you know we started off with giving to clean water, um, clean drinking water. Kind of felt like a natural for us, um, and it was it was kind of this um, this natural happening where my wife was nannying for the CEO of of. Um, Hulu back in the day in college. And so this guy, so Jason Kyler, who started Hulu, um, he was like, Hey, I'm working on this project. I can't tell you about it. Um, and then eventually in 2009, he's like, Hey, I've been working on this thing called Hulu. I'd love for you to beta test it. So we're beta testing Hulu. And, and, and what's really cool is, um, Jason had given free ad space to charity water. So Scott Harrison, who started charity water, got this, this ad space on Hulu early on in 2009. And Scott broke it down that close to a billion people lacked access to clean water and it kinda of just hit me, you know, right in the face of Hey, we're we're gonna sell water bottles let's give to clean water. That seems like a natural evolution. Um so we start off with clean water and then it kind of emerged throughout the years of Mirror in that, you know, we, we work a lot with companies like Patagonia and in the environment and everything's kinda of intertwined between environmental and, and, and um social causes. And so we kinda of look at my right now in three buckets of clean water and clean water could be drinking water, it could be uh, you know, clean clean water, clean systems, you know, clean rivers, um, and then healthy healthy um environment. So that's, you know, we've done some granting um, to help um, clean up the clean up the environment we just actually yesterday was earth day we um, just announced that we're part of um, climate neutral so we're offsetting hundred percent of our carbon emissions um, as a company um, every single year so that was that was a big commitment for us and um, and then the third thing is strong communities and these are kind of big broad buckets um, but they give us guardrails uh, as to what what we what we give to and and for so um, that's kind of how we think about it you know a lot of people will hit us up and uh, we've done a couple cool things where we have a an employee led grant um, team, so I think last year they gave about thirty thousand dollars away to a couple nonprofits uh, locally. And so every year they go through the grant making process, um, and they're able to kind of see and partake in the generosity too. And it doesn't have to fall in those kind of three buckets that so we talk about. It could be, um, you know, um, you know, uh, street artists in Seattle who are who are um, you know you know maybe on the fringe of being in school, not in school, and helping them use art to, as as therapy. So there's there's a bunch of great nonprofits that we, we get our that are employees get involved in.
0: That's awesome. Um, so what's the future hold? Oh,
1: that's a great question right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, digital, obviously <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. online, you know, online sales for us has been, has been doing pretty well. Um, all things considered. Um, you know, I think, I think for us it's, uh, what's really cool is, um, you know, we we have set out um, to really to be an impact brand, to be a company that's known for making great products and then also being very generous. And so, you know, for us, that'll always be true to who we are, re- regardless of the economic conditions. And so uh, we'll have to adjust and adapt. And, um, you know, I certainly think we've always had coffee at home kind of in the pipeline with our Porigami and our coffee canister. But we're constantly looking at, OK, what do we extend within that category As you know, as people continue to stay at home, are there other products that, you know, we can make better than what's on the marketplace. And uh, so I think that's, that's really exciting. Um, you know, and just trying to be a better business. You know, we are offsetting 100% of our carbon, like I said earlier, and, um, you know, it's it's just trying to do our best and at the time and, and then constantly evolve. So we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll hope that we make it through this, this crisis and, and just keep our keep our ear to the ground and, and take advantage of all the opportunities that we can you
0: guys will get it. You guys are, you guys have a huge brand and it's, it's the, the it's such impact. And, and like I said, everyone here is fans. Everyone here is fans of what you're doing. And, and it's beyond a product. Like I said, we, although we love the product, uh, it's, it's, it's a message, even, even, even the tags on there tells a story. So everything you do is, is, is making an impact and inspires people. So we appreciate your time.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for being such a good customer. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Yeah. Happy to do it. Big thanks to Brian Pape for today's interview. You can check him out at Brian Pape on Instagram. And make sure you go to com to check out all their products and the incredible things they're doing.